Good morning, brother. Once again, it is good to be with you. Um, the lesson of the hour is one forgiveness. Before I begin, I would like to make just a comment or two. Um, next Saturday, we do have the uh, singing workshop, and we would ask anybody, particular those of you who lead singing, would like to lead singing, to be there so that we can enhance our, our abilities to direct the service in that way. And we are going to be working with the men and the women uh, separately, and then everybody come back together. So it's going to be a very, very good day. If it's at all humanly possible to fit into your schedule, please make every attempt you can to come be here. And then after that, we will be having the uh, service for Kathy Palmer's husband, Terry, who passed away this week. It's been a very, very difficult week for her. Tumultuous and uh, emotional roller coaster at best. I would ask you to send her cards, if you would, not just in the immediate, but in the extended time. I know personally that they, they mean so much. And as she grieves through this process, it's going to be very challenging at times. And those cards are an inspiration, uh, particularly from you ladies, from, from lady to lady, because you understand one another so well. And I'm sure she would be very, very grateful for a long time to reach out to her in that way. Uh, and feel free to call her or, or visit with her at your as opportunity presents itself. Um, for years and years and years and years, churches have been discussing and studying and preaching on sin. It's a very important topic, something we all need to learn about, to know about, and how it is in our lives and how we need to get rid of it. We study on the origin of sin. We study on what sin is, the kinds of sin, what sin will do to you, our attitudes towards sin, and helps in overcoming sin. In our lesson this hour, we'll be discussing the beauty of forgiveness. Consider, brethren, how forgiveness affects us, both as a sinner or the offended, those that have been sinned against. And which one are you at this time, or have you been, or will you be? All of us have been sinned against. We've all been offended from, from a very young age in school, particularly in middle and high school. You know how offensive kids can be one to another. As young adults, as older people, the sin may be different in life. Sometimes when you have sin in family particularly, it's very hurtful. And it can be devastating, destructive in, in a household or a family, extended and your close families. But we can rejoice in the fact that our God is a forgiving Father. He always has been, He always will be. And it goes way back from the Old Testament all the way up through our current life today. I'll be reading a, a number of scriptures. I'll be covering a number of different things. I won't read all of them, but I will mention them. So be prepared, if you will, to, to mark your Bibles and, and to turn with me. What is forgiveness? You hear so many different discussions on forgiveness, what we do to forgive, how we must forgive, and, and what we do with our lives in sin and forgiveness, and how do we balance that? Forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. We can and still should hold others accountable for their actions or their lack of actions. Forgiveness is returning to God the right, take, right to take care of justice. It isn't ours to do. It is for him. 
Forgiveness is not letting the offense recur again and again. Oh, I forgive you, but you continue in the same patterns and it just happens over and over again. It does not mean that we have to revert back to being the victim when this happens. And it's not the same as reconciling. Forgiveness is a process, not just an event. You can't, it's not something that we just do and that's the end of it. It's a process that we have to work through. If we look back in Micah, the seventh chapter in verse 18, we learn about God and his personality and his willingness to forgive us no matter what. We've heard at times people say, I'm so far gone, I'm such a sinner. He'll never forgive me for what I've done. I've met with people like that, I've talked with people like that. I had a friend who felt that way and he felt that way so strong that he gave up all hope and committed suicide because he had hopelessness. We all have hope in God that we can be forgiven. Micah the seventh chapter in verse 18 says, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. God doesn't continue to hold this. In Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, in verse 25, I, even I, and here we look back at our studies on the great I am, when he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers them no more. Once he forgives us, he doesn't remember those sins. How beautiful is that? We as humans, when we are offended and somebody sins against us, it's so easy for us to remember all of our lives, but you did that to me. Even if I forgive you, I'll never forget it. We'll, we'll get to that later. Again, in Nehemiah, the ninth chapter, because God is ready to pardon. Speaking about the children of Israel and their shortcomings, remember, they went for, for all those years and started complaining, and they wanted to find somebody to take them back to the slavery that they once lived in, wanting to return to that because they were so tired and frustrated and incomplete. They refused, Nehemiah 9.17, they refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked in their rebellion, appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. Even in what they were doing, he stayed right there. It's encouraging to know that any time we are ready to repent. The Lord is ready to forgive. Because our God is a God that abundantly pardons. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. The writer says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God he will freely pardon. There's nothing skimpy about God's forgiveness. He's very generous in that. We look at the account of the prodigal son in Luke 15, which we're also very familiar with in studying. And I won't read the whole thing, but turn with me, if you will, to, to Luke the 15th chapter. We'll take just a brief look at that. In Luke 15, beginning in verse 11, it starts out, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now we know the story that he left. He lived a righteous life. He came back. <clears throat> but when you look at verse 20, after he realized his station in life, then he wished that he could eat the peas that were fed to the swine. And that has a very special meaning because, because uh, the pigs were unclean. They were not even to touch them. 
yet he was wanting to eat the food that they were being given. That's how low he was and how, how little hope he had. But he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants to his father. So he got up and went, verse 20. He got up and went to his father. The emphasis here is, but while he was still a long way off. He was still a long way off. Now, I don't know what that means in, in uh, distance, but it says he was a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and he kissed him. How wonderful that feeling must have been when you're in such desperation, so low in your life is such a point in time to have your father reach out and embrace you before you even get there, to extend his hand to you, to draw him in in, in that forgiveness. And the son said to him with words, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What humiliation, what gentleness. And we know the rest of the story that his father brought the fatted calf, et cetera, et cetera. The point in that is, when somebody is seeking forgiveness, sometimes they don't have to say the words. Now, in this case, he did, but he said those words after his father extended to him that reach of love and kindness. In fact, the parable could have been called the forgiving father. And again, take notice how he came out to meet the son. We should long to receive those who come to ask us for forgiveness for the things that they've done to us. God forgives the beginning of forgiveness is at the point of repentance. Think about that. Forgiveness begins at the point of repentance. What do we learn in Acts 2.38? Repent and be baptized. The sins are forgiven at that point. When somebody comes to us repenting or asking forgiveness, we should begin at that point. God loves us as sons and will forgive each of us the same as the parable in Luke 15. Because God is so merciful and he is so forgiving. Look at our reading, Psalms 103, verses 8 through 11. God is merciful because he's abundant in loving kindness. That is his nature. That's who he is. That's why he's our God. In verse 8 it says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. How many of us could say that about ourselves? Or how many could you say, how, how often could you say that about somebody else? So we would say they're gracious and they're merciful. Can we look at others that way and could we be considered that way ourselves? He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Now sometimes that's very difficult for us to do. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is very merciful to us. Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great wherewith he loved us. Another of the beauties of forgiveness of sin is that God will forgive the lowest and vilest of sinners. So many have needlessly despaired saying I'm too mean or I've sunk too deep. Nothing is further from the truth. That's who God wants those who are sinning, no matter at what level. He wants us all to return to him. And he promises in 1 John, the first, verse, uh, first chapter and verse 9, to forgive all sin 
He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How wonderful a God and Father we have that we serve that would do that for us. This forgiveness, of course, is conditional. It's contingent on our obedience to God's will. In Isaiah, the first chapter, verse 18, he says, and I love this verse, because how many times have we heard, come now and let us reason together. Who said that? It wasn't Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Stuart's invitation song is, though your sins be as scarlet. There's an importance to this message in this verse. When you do studies through time in, in, in the Bible, we know about Lydia. She was a seller of what? Purple. We read about scarlet. We sing about scarlet. What's the significance of that? First, you have to consider the date in time when this was occurring, when they had these colors. It was a very expensive color to put into a fabric. The reason is one, the dyes were very expensive. And two, when you have something that is scarlet, they would hand dip it in, into the dye, let it dry, and then put it back in and double dip it to give it that wonderful color that we love, those deep, rich colors. Deep, rich colors. In our sin, we, stand, we sometimes tend to do the same thing. We get into sin, sometimes we come out and we go right back in deep into sin again and again. And our Father says, though your sins be like scarlet, though you've double dipped, though you've gone in deeper, you will be as white as wool. And wool was treated to be pure white. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a beauty of forgiveness that no matter what we do, no matter how deep we go, no matter how dark our sins are, our God will forgive us. What a wonderful, wonderful measure of love that we have in serving our God. His love has depth, the same as we have depth in our sin. When Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians, the third chapter, we look at verse 17 through 19, and it teaches us that that he prayed for them, that Christ's love will reach into the lowest fear of life and the deepest abyss of guilt. He prayed for the church at Ephesus in that way. And what is forgiveness? We can learn what forgiveness is by observing what God does when he forgives. He, of course, is the great example. Jesus, the great example and pattern for me. Another song we sing through these words. He removes the notation of the offense from his record. Now, I love my wife. I'm sure all you husbands love your wives. But we all know that wives have a very long memory. They forgive us, but they remember things. That's natural. It's, it's human. God forgets. He puts it out of his mind. In Acts the third chapter in verse 19, he says, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins might be wiped out. The times of, fresh, times of refreshing may come from the Lord. What happens when you refresh your computer or your phone? It takes away all the things that are in your cache memory, all the things that are on the surface. You reboot it and all that disappears. And you start fresh. You start anew. And then you can build up your phone again and you can build up your computer again. Same principle. He refreshes us. 
In, in Hebrews the eighth chapter and verse twelve, he says, "For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more." Wouldn't it be wonderful, wonderful if we could all do that? Humanistically, sometimes it's impossible, but it's a great goal to aspire to. He restores his offender, God, to his former position of love and grace. In Luke 15, we saw the parable of the prodigal son. We learned what forgiveness is, noting what God does with our sins when they're forgiven. He covers them for us. He covers our sins, and we see them no more. Um, Psalm 32.1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. I want to be blessed. I want to be that. I want to be the one who God forgives his sin and covers mine up so that they're not seen anymore. He casts them behind his back, Isaiah 38.17. He removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. Again, in Psalms 103, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Question. How far is the east from the west? That way, right? And when, they, and when they encompass the globe, they meet and they keep going. It's infinity. It's forever. Our sins are covered. He casts them behind his back, and he removes them from us forever. Forever they're gone. He obliterates them from his memory forever, which is the most important part. In Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, and verse 34, it says, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He blots them out, Isaiah 4, 44 and 22. I have swept away our offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist return to me, for I have redeemed you. We are redeemed from our sins. He will never mention them again according to Ezekiel 18.22. We can learn what forgiveness is by studying the Bible synonyms. We learn a lot of things. Remember when I said uh, forgiveness is a process, not just an event of forgiveness? <clears throat> we have remission of our sins when we become Christians, Act 2.38, we all know. We have a cleansing of our sin. John 15 and 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. We are justified from our sins, Romans 3.24 through 25. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he left the sins committed before unpunished. We're pardoned from our sins. And that goes way back. In Psalms, the uh, 25th chapter and verse 11, For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity though it is great. He blots them out against us. Acts 3, verse 19, repenting then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out. A refreshing time may come from the Lord. And we're healed by this, brethren. When we carry our, our, our sins and other people's sins, whether we are the offender or the offended, it makes our lives more difficult. It's stressful. We don't release that, forgiveness, that sin to the other. And it stays inside of us and it stresses us. You carry it for a long time and it has physical and emotional effects on us. When we release them, we give the justice back to God to deal with that person or that sin or its consequences. When we let it go, that frees us up. I know that sometimes when I've forgiven somebody, I've, I've been offended by my family, not Mary and her kid, but my, my family. 
Sometimes things are very hurtful. Sometimes my close friends have offended me. And I pray God for forgiveness for the times that I've done the same because I'm no, no greater, no less than they are. We all do that. But when you, when you express forgiveness to somebody else, it takes that weight and that stress off of you and allows you to be free with your spirit and your heart internally so that you can move on and fill your heart and your spirit with the goodness of the things that God has given us, like the forgiveness of our sins, like the blessing of Jesus Christ, like our brethren and the love that we share. Those are the things we should be full of. When it says we read about certain men like Cornelius who was full of the spirit, I would say that these things are inclusive in that. He's full of the spirit of God. He forgives men. He does all the things that he can. He embraces his family, both spiritually and his physical family. We can't keep these things within. And that's part of the beauty of forgiveness. When we practice forgiveness effectively as we learn what it is and how to deal with sin and the forgiveness of sin, it allows us to live a more fulfilling life. There's reconciliation. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, in verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us himself through Christ and gave ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. How amazing is that? And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And those of you that are military, government, etc., know what an ambassador is. It's the representative of a certain portion of this nation. The ambassador to a certain country or a certain mission. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has who had no sin, to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's who we are. When we recognize and adopt and adapt to the beauty of forgiveness, that's who we are. Titus chapter 3, 3 through 5, says at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, dis dis deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And that's the world we live in, brethren. This world is still full of passions and pleasures. And they're fun. And they're bright. And they're attractive. And they're compelling. And they draw us. But we have to learn to resist as we're taught. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. We received the gift of the Holy Spirit, as I taught in a sermon several months ago. Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit works within us, helping us to learn these things when we hear the word and put them in our hearts and in our minds. There's no way that we can save ourselves by our own meritorious works. Man can't earn salvation. We can only do it through the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no way we can do enough to save ourselves. Money's certainly not the remedy, although it's been tried many, many times. Donations to charitable things and doing good works and thinking that's going to help you. In Zephaniah, the first chapter, verse 18, it says, Neither silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. 
In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. We know from way back when that money's not it. And in our New Testament studies, when we were studying in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 8 and verse 20, Simon the sorcerer, when he saw that the power of the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of hands, what did he do? He offered them money, that I, I too may have this power. What was he told? May your money, may your silver perish with you. Pray for forgiveness that God would not respond to you. Some have been known to sin, even grievously. Moved hundreds of miles away and distanced themselves from it. It'll chase you for life. It'll chase you forever. Distance doesn't obliterate it. In Christ, his cross, his blood, in him alone is a remedy for sin to be found. We can find that in our own hearts and spirit by forgiving those that have sinned against us, by asking for forgiveness for those we've sinned against. We find that in remission, Matthew 26, 28, redemption, Ephesians 1 and 7, reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, in the washing in Revelation 7. From the very beginning of the scriptures to the very end of the scriptures, God talks about forgiveness. The cleansing in 1 John chapter 1, justification in Romans 5, Sanctification in Hebrews 10:10, 10, 10, and the purging in Hebrews 9, 14, chapter 9, the 14th verse. It is a must to remember. Forgiveness is conditional. Matthew 7:21 says, "Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom." He said, "Depart! I never even knew you." Hebrews 5:8 through 9. The alien sinner must ask the question, "What must I do to be saved?" those who are outside the body. Forgiveness is conditional to becoming a Christian. There must be genuine repentance. Some sins need to be confessed privately. Some people feel that if you've, created, uh, if you've committed a sin of such a public nature, it needs to be displayed publicly. There is a lot of comment on both sides of that article. But the point is, confession is not to announce sin but to manifest the repentance for those said sins. We need to confess our sins to the offended if we've offended somebody. But in conclusion, are your sins forgiven? Have you forgiven those who've sinned against you? Matthew 6, 12 says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Many people recognize this as the Lord's Prayer. In the Catholic Church, they say it over and over and over again. And although the scriptures teach against vain repetition, I can say that in one time saying this, that we ask forgiveness from God the Father as we forgive those who sin against us. I think that's a mutual. It goes horizontally and vertically once again. We have to forgive those who are here on this earth in order to have the forgiveness from above. Always remember that because I've had a hard time with it sometimes. Things are very offensive. Are you the sinner or are you the offended? Can you, can you, do you forgive and forget as God has done for you? Think about these things, brother. Jesus forgave some men their sins. God the Father has forgiven sins in times past in history. In the blood of Jesus Christ, forgives us our sins when we ask. What a wonderful, wonderful 
beauty and forgiveness. If you've not become a Christian yet, your sins aren't forgiven. The Word has taught us to repent, turn to a different way, confessing your sins, asking forgiveness of them, and to be baptized in, in water for the remission of those sins. If you've not done that yet, you stand in jeopardy, tremendous jeopardy of your salvation. If you've done so, and you've committed a sin, sins, acts that you feel you need forgiveness for, private or public, time and opportunity is here now. We have, we have the, the baptistry. You can be baptized for the remission of your sins. We have men who will pray with you as you ask for forgiveness of your sins. If you've offended somebody, I would ask that you go to them and ask for that forgiveness. And if somebody has offended you, even if they have not asked, forgive them. Release it. Give it back to God for justice. And live your life as a Christian as you ought to be. If you're subject to the invitation, would you come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song?